Amen. Yeah, give me a hand. Grab, grab a seat. Grab your copy of God's Word, either in the digital front or, or whatever. Open it to Philippians chapter 1. Here's, here's what tonight's going to look like for us, and the, the house lights will come up so that you can see and so I can see you, because I'm sure some of you are pretty. Um, there you go. Hey, uh, tonight we're going to chew on Philippians chapter 1 a little bit, and for those of you that are here last week, it's a continuation of what we talked about some, but really landing on Philippians 127, which is where our ministry comes from. That's, get it out. Go ahead. Like, I'm not afraid of you screaming at me, so Philippians 127. Yeah, man. Okay. It won't offend me if you do that at all, okay? I'm, I'm not easily distracted unless there's lasagna in the room, and so... That's fine. Just go ahead and do that. So when we talk about Philippians 127, hey! which happens after 126, hey! uh, and then a couple of verses before is 123. Hey! Golly, this set y'all up. That's fine. But there's 24 is after that. I don't think we're going to do the other one. Man, there's a, there's a lot of y'all that are 25 in there. I thought so. That's fine. Um, way to go. So, Philippians 127. So, that's our theme verse. And I want you to understand really what that means for us, but then also how that plays out, okay? So that's the purpose tonight. And then next week, we're going to jump into the book of Daniel. We're going to spend the rest of the semester in there. And, and if the Lord continues, we're going to keep going. Who knows how long it's going to take us to get through that. So we're going to go that way. But let's start in verse 21 and l let you kind of understand a little bit what's going on here. Verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. This is that radical verse that you like to quote. Why is he doing this? If you go back to verse 12, here's, here's Paul talking. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel. So he's talking about himself. You know, he's in prison. He's, he's letting this church know what's going on in his life. He's going to, all of this stuff that's happened to me is advancing the gospel. And this is Paul's heart. He is okay. He's okay no matter what is happening in his life. He's okay as long as the gospel is doing good. So he's in jail, he's not in a great spot, it's kind of a shameful space, it's not a place that any of us really want to hang out, but he's like, I'm good, you don't have to write letters to people for my release, you don't have to come and try to break me out, I'm okay, because this is what's happening. There's these guards that are hearing the gospel all the time, and they're stuck with me. There's other, these prisoners that are hearing the gospel. It's stirring up people in here, they're getting encouraged to share the gospel in their spaces. I'm good. This is what he's talking about that gets us to this, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, because he's like, well, I, I would rather be with Jesus, but this. Now, if, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work. This is verse 22 for me, and I don't know which one I should choose. I'm torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, of course, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Since I'm persuaded of this, that I know that I will remain and continue with all of you in your progress and joy in the faith. Both of those are connected so that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. This is what he's saying. I would rather be with Jesus. And that should be the cry of your heart all the time. I'd rather be with Jesus. But what God has done in me and how I get to proclaim it to you and live it out in front of you, what Paul says in a theological sense is this. I'm experiencing the same type of joy in little measure that I will experience by being in front of Jesus as you respond to Jesus. So if I serve you and you respond to, in joy, I get that joy. 
If I go be with Jesus, I'm gonna get a different kind of joy, but I'm experiencing a heaven-like joy by serving you. This is why we make much of that. When you give of yourself, when you sacrifice and you serve, and even if some of you are like, man, I love preschool kids, and so it's easy for me to serve in there, or the Holy Spirit was stirring in you to serve in preschool when Chelsea's up there talking, and you're like, I hate preschool kids. I don't want to be in there, but the Lord will use you to bless other people, and you'll have a joy that rises up in you that you didn't know could happen. This is what Paul's talking about. I would rather be with Jesus, but I get joy by serving you so that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. And that means the gospel's going faster. And this is what he wants. And then it takes us to verse 27. He's talking about himself. He's talking about the gospel. And then he shifts his focus in verse 27 outside of himself to the church. And this is why we grab a hold of this verse. Verse 27, depending on what version you have, I teach out of the CSB. If you're wondering, um, ESV is a little bit different. NIV is a lot different from this. But it says, just one thing. Your, your version may say, whatever happens. Verse 27, just one thing. The citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or I am absent, I will hear about you that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together. That means striving together for the faith of the gospel. Verse 28, not being frightened in any way by your opponents. This is a sign of destruction for them, but for your salvation. And this is from God. For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him since you are engaged in the same struggle that you saw I had and now hear that I have. He, he starts it off by going, okay, church, this is what you need to do. Here's, no matter what happens, here's your one thing. This is kind of your Shema, your foundation. You are a citizen of heaven. You live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then if I see you or I hear about you, whatever happens, I'll know that you're doing this. You're standing firm. And that's a, that's a good, like, picture, right? Bunch of, bunch of good Aggies or, or people that are blend that know the whole like chant where, where when the war hymns happen and what do you do? You, you do this little leg lock thing, all right? And then you start screaming like which way you're going to go first just to confuse everybody. You're pointing this way going left, left just to see if people are paying attention. That's what you do. That, that's part of your kind of standing firm. I, I came to more Aggie games when I was in college. I didn't graduate from here. You can hiss that. That's fine. I deserve it. Um, but I, I came to more Aggie games than I did my own university football games. And the first yell practice I was at, I'm getting yelled at for like, I, I can't sit down. What's the matter? <laughs> I got to stand this whole time. This is, this is where we're at. Like you're known for this standing firm thing. But what does this actually really mean? All right, if you write in your Bible, and I'm going to encourage you to do so, just tear that thing up, all right, with ink everywhere, except over the words. Don't scratch them out and put something else. <laughs> what, is, what are we standing firm in? Right there in the margins, if you want to, put 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Paul to the, the church in Corinth is saying, be alert. You can just hear this. Stand firm in the faith. Be alert. Stand firm in the faith. He says, be courageous and be strong in your faith. That's what he's saying. You've got to stand firm in your faith. Galatians 5.1, write that down. For freedom, Christ set us free. We love that. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free, but then there's a period, and then there's a capital S, and it says, stand firm. For freedom, he set you free, and a lot of times we think for that freedom means I can be lazy. That freedom means that I can relax. That freedom is something different. That's an American freedom, which is weird. This is a freedom to fight. Stand firm then, and don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. He's saying fight against sin. You stand firm in that. Ephesians 6 13 through 17, 
For this reason, you know this verse, if you've been in church, it's the armor of God. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day, having prepared everything and take your stand. Verse 14 just starts and it says, stand therefore. You, you put on the armor so that you can stand. And what are you standing against? The, the attack of the enemy. You're standing against Satan and his schemes. He's like he's, he's a, a, a roaring lion. That's the weird way to say that. He's a, he's a prowling lion. And he, he wants to steal and kill and destroy you. He's coming after you. You stand in that. Philippians 4.1, if you flipped over a couple pages. So then, my dearly loved and longed for brothers and sisters, my joy and my crown. I love that he says that. In this manner, stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. This is what we're standing in. Okay? Now, this is not easy. The, the verse that for some reason the Lord has brought alive in our ministry and it became our identity, like a cool little logo and everything, but it's so much more than that, calls us to stand. And this is why this is challenging. Um, the enemy doesn't like for you to stand. The world is kind of a difficult place. You were created for community and you do everything you can to fight against it. You don't know that, but that's how you are. The enemy wants you to be isolated, and it comes from your doubts. It comes from situations. It comes from things that maybe you can't even control. It comes from your family. It comes from all kinds of things. And so you try to isolate yourself, and you don't want to stand with brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and you'll hear people like, well, I don't need church to grow in my faith. That's a straight-up lie. Now, that's not in the Bible anywhere. It's the other way around. You need the church to continue to, to take steps and when it's not so much like the church, like, hey, there's a building and there's a worship leader and there's a pastor. That's not what we're talking about. You need community. You need people that are going to run beside you to help you stand. Now, God designed for that to happen in the confines of his bride, which we call the church, which is the body. Okay, so we are, we are champions of the church. Our, our boy at Breakaway, I know most, a lot of you were there. Like, I love that Brian got up on stage and he was like, hey, we're about the local church first. I sent him a text and I was like, yo, that." Now, how can I serve you? This is how this works. Like, as he hypes us, I'm like, I'm your hype man too. What does this look like? So I'm hyping him up now. All right. But that's what it's about. That's how the Lord designed this. And so this is how this plays out in our ministry. During the week, you've probably heard about this. We do 12 Bible studies during the week, and we're probably going to be adding some because we want to keep our numbers low. You look around, there's a lot of people when our Bible studies to kind of be small. If you show up and there's 50 people in the Bible study, uh, it's weird, and it's hard for you to be known in that space. But I want you to see these Bible study leaders. And so if you're a Bible study leader in the room, I need you up here. You're just going to invade this little carpet up here in the front. Come on. We need to take roll. There might be more than we have. I don't part the C he wants to stay in there by his friend. Where are you going? To your partner? There you go. Hey, we've done it. This is weird. Playing Frogger. Um, two things. They hate this. They do. Like they, I know this, some of them may like be, enjoy being in front of you, but not really. They don't, they don't need their names out, and we didn't put their names on stuff. They don't need to really be known, but this is what the Lord is doing. He, he's entrusted these 24 students to lead. He's entrusted them to guide, to be there for you, all right? That when we have our meetings, it's not, hey, this is what you teach. We help them understand scripture in those meetings, but this is their goal, to walk beside you, to help you, 
to stand firm with you, to provide a space for you to, to ask questions and to fight and to contend. And so as we grow, we have to get smaller and this is how this takes place. And so I'm gonna challenge you, find a Bible study. Look for a free night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Look for a face that maybe you've already met or somebody that you're like, hey, they look nice or I bet they can make good cookies or whatever and go to that Bible study and make that thing home. Make that thing better. They're gonna be in different like apartments and host homes from our church and they're meeting all over the place, okay? You can find where they're meeting if you go to our link tree, which if you know how that works, it's linked from our Instagram, from our Facebook. You can just get there through our website and you can see where they're meeting all around town or now just take a mental picture and go, I'm gonna go talk to that person. I see them right now. I'm gonna go have a conversation with them about their Bible study. Do that. The other thing you can do on the scrolling announcements afterwards, there's a slide that you can click on to, to give us your information. A bunch of you did that this morning and they will reach out to you and go, hey, I heard that you were interested in Thursday nights. I think they're called Thirst Duds or something like that. What is that? Uh, what, what's Monday? Does Monday have a? Phase clan. clan is so bad. Um, this, is, this is how this goes all the time, all right? So, um, find your people in this space. You're seeing them. We're going to celebrate what God does in Bible study. This is where you need to land, okay? If you're like, hey, I can only give the church an hour a week outside of Sunday. Man, come on Sunday and get plugged in. But if you're choosing between Sunday night and Tuesday night, go on Tuesday night, okay? Make our ministry smaller. Make sure that you're being known. We trust these people to lead you. That's going to be your win, okay? This is how you're going to figure out how to stand firm, these people right here. I'm going to pray for them right quick, and then we're going to keep running through this, all right? God, God thank you for uh, your design for the church, and thank you for raising up leaders. And, and we do, like, we celebrate your hand in their lives. And we thank you that everything that takes place that's good in Bible studies is going to be the result of you moving through your spirit. So would you use men and women that get to lead other students just in an incredible way this year to do things that we can't do here, to push people into spaces, to encourage you calling people up, uh, to do ministry to, to people that are hurting, to people that are lost, to people that are wandering. And we'll just, we'll just celebrate. So to use them in incredible ways, in ways that we can only explain by your hand. And, and we pray for the commitment of people in this room that, that they would find their people. They would jump into Bible study um, and they would, they would figure out how to make the church smaller and figure out how to be known. We trust you to do that. We thank you that you're going to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, give him a hand. Thanks, guys. Uh, Saul, y'all are at the Ballards? Yeah, I think so. Let's make it. Y'all got to decide that. Y'all just y'all figure it out. For some reason, the Ballards got a food budget that no one else can touch. And so y'all go to that Bible study because he's like Olive Garden one week. Cane's catered one week, which isn't that great. Uh, he'll call me like, do you think, you think those college kids, that's fine, you can, it's from LSU, you can hiss that all you want to, but you're lying to yourself. Um, I think I can prove that biblically. Now, <laughs> I'm kidding. He, call, he asked me one day, he's like, hey, do you think college students like steak? I'm like, no, bring it to my house. Um, Okay, so this is the stand firm part of that. But then, then he turns, and so he's like, hey, this is how you make Jesus your all. This is what you do, foundation, in one spirit, in one accord, halfway through 27, contending together, striving together is, is what we pulled. I think that's the NIV. You're making war for the faith of the gospel. Paul, Paul says, hey, I, I need you because this is what this, this charge, this exhortation does. 
I need you to stand firm because when you do that, then it, then it produces this action in you that, that once you figure out your foundation, then you start to move in a way, living in a manner that's worthy of the gospel. And this is the thing that echoes in Paul's life, especially to the church of the Philippians. He's like, hey, this is not a great city. This is a dark city. You're in a dangerous place. You gotta stand firm. And then as you figure that out, then you're going to go out and you're gonna make an impact for the gospel. And he's going, this command calls you to be steadfast. This command calls you to be unified. This command calls you to be joyful. And hear me, this is why we're gonna champion the church. Because there are college pastors that I call brothers all around this town. And if we could figure out as a church what it means to, to be steadfast in our faith, to be unified as the body of Christ and to be joyful in all things. All right, I, I'm serious. There are, there are people, and it may sound strange to you depending on your background and whatnot. Chris Shepard, who's over at Brazos Fellowship, will send me a text and go, bro, I saw your event, praise God. And we flip it on him the same way. All of the bins at Grace, there's like 47 of them, are sending texts. And, and they're just encouraging people. And we're doing that back to them. We want to figure out what it means to be steadfast and unified and be joyful at what God is doing and to celebrate what he's doing. This is the striving together part of this. Now, there's a lot of positive that's happening there. We can just strive together and celebrate and do all that. When God is moving, this is pretty easy. But Paul, in Paulian fashion, flips this on its head because he's going, hey, Philippians, I need you to stand firm and strive together even when it's difficult, because what happens after that? The next three words, not being frightened. I'm, I'm not really scared when things are going really, really well, and so I just have to assume that this is going to be difficult. Not being frightened in any way by your opponents. They're, they're in a battle. This is a sign of destruction for them as the gospel's rising up, but it's also for your salvation, and this is from God. This verse is so difficult because I love to get hype about 127, but, but 29, I can't wait for that class because this will wreck them. For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe, yes, Lord, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer. Now, this is not a space that we aim in very easily. When, when Paul goes, hey, yeah, if you're a Christ follower, this is what you get. It's been granted that you get to believe in him, bless the Lord. It's also been granted that as a Christ follower, you get to suffer for him. Okay, um, think about the argument of the atheist who says that this is a made-up religion, and we're going to put that verse in here. As men, we're going to be like, hey, this is what it means to follow Jesus. It's going to be difficult. It's not this promise of all these great things. In fact, most of the time when we see what does it mean to follow Jesus, difficulty, suffering, challenges. It has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. This is 2 Timothy 6.12. You fight the good fight of faith. You take hold of eternal life. That, that, that's just, just challenging battle language. You fight, you take hold, you contend. And so what does it look like for you to fight the good fight of faith during college? Okay, I'll say this a couple times. Sometimes I only get to speak to you once. And then bless the Lord, he takes you into another space that you get to serve and attend faithfully. So I wanna give you a couple things. If I were like, hey, what's the one thing that I would say to college students? What does it look like for you to fight for your faith in college? I'm gonna say that, that these, are not, these are not the gospel, but I want you to make a list of like must-haves in your life. 
Okay, just like, hey, in my walk or in my collegiate career as a Christian, these are my must-haves. And I'm gonna give you some ideas on what I think your must-haves should be. And maybe you modify this list a little bit that to, to, to be like your have-tos, your must-haves in your life that will help you fight to strive together and to figure out how to stand firm in your faith. Here it is. One, find your church home. Find it fast. Once you know that that's what it is, anchor your life there for three or four years and just serve it. Now, I want you to know this. There's not a perfect church in our community. There's not a perfect church in the world. If the church doesn't irritate you at some point, they're probably not doing their job, okay? But if you get easily offended by church, I'm praying by the Holy Spirit's power that he breaks that in you because you're going to be a terrible church member where you're just like, he didn't cater to me. He said something that hurt my feelings. The color of the carpet's weird. Like, I get that. But it's not a perfect place. It's not led by perfect men and women. It's not like all of those things. We, we just function in a fallen world. But I need you to find your church home, and I need you to anchor your life there. That's the first must-have. You're going to need that as, to be successful in your collegiate career. Underneath that, I need you to find your squad. Here we call them your crew, okay? I need you to find your crew. I need you to find your people. It can start in Bible study. It can go farther than that. Find your crew, the, the people that you spend time with. These have to be believers. You can't be alone. You can't have secret sin. You can't hide from things. You need to get over yourself and go, if I want God to use me, I need to find some people that I trust, that I can go to with everything in my life, and they can come to me. And we pray, and we contend. We strive together for the faith of the gospel. Find those people, all right? I promise you, it won't be 50. You're gonna find two or three people that become like your best friends, that stand beside you on your wedding day, that, that fight for you when you have that sickness of a child that maybe you go back to when you're 70 and 80 and you play a terrible golf game together. I don't know what that looks like, but find your people. Make your, just like find those people that can make church smaller and that just have your back. The third one is this, I want you to know and then use your gifts. Know what your gifts are, and then use those gifts. What has God made you passionate about? How has he gifted you? And it can be everything. A lot of times we celebrate the guy that's up here playing guitar. We celebrate the person that can sing. We celebrate the person that has a speaking gift. We celebrate the Bible study leaders. Hear me, the gift of hospitality is dying in the church, and it is amazing. You cook a good cinnamon roll, hit me up. All right, you, you love to hold signs for people, do that. Like, like those are gigantic, okay? It doesn't have to be some gift that for some reason the world celebrates, all right? We're gonna celebrate all of them really well. Find your gift and use it. This one's challenging. I've said it a, a bunch of times. You're gonna hear me say it a lot more. You need to commit to making your next dating relationship your last. All right? Church culture and speed dating has become a really dangerous thing. It tears apart ministries. And so, like, I think we've even perverted the term dating in America anyway, all right? So just be careful of, like, you're my girlfriend, like, a week into it, okay? It's just challenging. But what would it look like to know somebody to the point that you know when you jump into that dating relationship that it's your last? I'm not the model for this at all. I was really, really scared of girls, and I think my wife walked out um, when, she, when she, I was scared of girls in college. When I finally figured out that I liked Alyssa and Alyssa liked me, you want to know what I did? <laughs> Got scared, started sweating. Um, I said, hey, you're, you're a friend of mine and I don't wanna ruin this. Do you mind if I date your parents? And they were like, she's like, what? What does that mean? 
Some of you are like, that, yeah, you're from North Texas, aren't you? Yeah, um, <laughs> real close to Oklahoma. I spent four months driving two hours a week to go meet Alyssa's dad, just to get to know him. And I said, hey, you know your daughter better than I do. And I want you to get to know me and just give me advice on if this will work or not. January to April, we met together at the end of April. He said, hey, John, I want you to marry my daughter. I was like, we haven't been dating yet. He said, yeah, I know, but that's your next step. I'm like, okay, now I know. Like I'm in at that point. 13 months later, we were married. That's how that worked. Now, that's not the model, hear me? Some of you are like, I'm writing that down. It's a pretty good play. (laughs) It's a good play, hear me. But it's not the model for that. It's just what worked for us. But what it showed was a commitment that I was like, I don't want to mess this up. And if your dad sees me and is like, hey, that's a knucklehead, Alyssa, you should run from him, then, then we know at that point. What is your commitment going to be to that? Because it's the enemy wants to just wreck you in your dating life, especially in college. Would you commit to make your next dating relationship your last? And these are big. Would you read your Bible every day? No matter what. I guarantee you, you have a phone and I guarantee you, if not, you should have a Bible app on your phone or you have Google and you just like the Bible and it'll pop up. Read it every day. Even if it's just like, I I don't have time and you're just being honest, like, God, I'm in a hurry and I woke up late and I don't know what to do. And and so I just like turn on the the British guy on the YouVersion app and let him read to you. It's sweet. Let God's word just invade you every day in some way, shape, or form. It'll become contagious. You'll lean into it longer, but every day commit to that. And then lastly, pray giant prayers. Pray giant prayers. Ask God to do things only God can do. And then write them down and then check them off when he answers them. It's gonna be encouraging. It will be a lifelong thing for you if you just pray giant prayers. We're gonna put a lot of other things in front of you, memorizing scripture, living life on mission, all of those things. But if you can just focus on these must-haves, those things come alive in your life. So, so how do we ensure that these things happen in your life, though? How does a ministry ensure that these things happen? The book of Jude doesn't have chapters. This is just verses. Jude verse three says this. Dear friends, although I was eager to write to you about the salvation that we share, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints once and for all. Although I want to to write to you about just this gift of the gospel and salvation, I really want to encourage you to contend for the faith. He's telling this church, you're not alone. Your salvation is personal. It becomes this, this thing that moves from personal to really, really public as you live it out. But understand the, the personal nation of salvation. But your faith and your growing in your faith is a public thing. We share in salvation, but I want you to know that you have more in common with people around you than you think. And I want to prove that. All right? Everybody have a phone that's no longer a phone? For some reason now it's a flashlight. All right? Scroll, flick down, unless you have a Samsung, and I don't know how they work. And hit the little flashlight thing, and you see how it comes on? It's big. Now, our friends in the back are going to turn the lights off. It's pretty pretty cool. We all see. Now, turn them off. Some of you are slower than others. It's fine. We got it. There's one in the back. Okay. 
A lot of you, a lot of you came into school like this. You're just like, I'm in the dark. I don't know anything that's going on. Culturally, this is weird. I'm scared. There's a lot going on, but, but let, me, let me show you that you're really not alone. Uh, how many of you, let's just do it, class of 24. Turn those lights on. There's your friends. Class of 25. Golly, I don't even want to. 26. 27. Hey, y'all outnumber people right now. Right? Don't, look, don't take nothing from these other classes. Y'all can get them. Here you go. Uh, how many of you are from Texas? That was kind of sad, side note. The, the Republic is angry at you. How many of you are not from Texas? Hey. Listen, they, they didn't say they were from Oklahoma. They just said they're not from Texas. <laughs> How many, are you from Oklahoma? No. <laughs> all right, let, let's zoom in. All of our Texas friends. How many of you are from the 979? All right, guys. How many of you are from the 281? You got that 281 anywhere? Wow. That's scary. How about, how about the 972 going up north? That's sort of my people. The, the 817, just a little bit west of that? Okay, yeah, y'all are fine. Hey, how about Countdown City, 210? Hey, I'm just gonna be honest, you're not my favorite people, but that's okay. The Spurs fans just irritate me. Um, eight, the 832, is there any 832s in here? A couple of years, yeah. All right, what, what makes ministry great? Where's the 903? That's what mine is, too. That's East Texas. Just, they're just built different. Just built different. Hey, we're in the month of August. How many of you were born in August? That's me, too. That's me. I, I'm an August, August kid, which means like half of you just turned 18 and you don't know what to do, right? Like you can legally vote, which is scary for the rest of us. That's fine. How many of you like cats more than dogs? Hey. Uh, those of you with your lights on, I'm going to tell you about another church. Um, <laughs> kidding, I'm kidding a little bit. Uh, how many of you are just straight up dog people and you know that that's the only pet going to heaven? Yeah. Uh, wow. <laughs> like the poor cat people are just like, I just got beat down. I was trying to be encouraged and you did this. That's fine. Hey, how many of you are an only child? Why, why are we booing that? Like, listen, none of their parents are here. It's their parents' fault. Y'all, crazy. How many of you are a middle child? Yeah. That's me. Also, also dangerous, all right? Middle children are crazy. Just, hey. We're, we're about there. How many of you excited about Aggie football? 
Hey, leave, leave them on. Turn them back up there. Leave them on. All right. You, you see this? You're just not alone. You're, you're really, in every way, shape, and form, nobody, except maybe the Oklahoma question, nobody <laughs> just put that flashlight up by itself. You're, you're not alone in this space. But also, all of those things that I said are really, really safe. They're, they're really exciting. I don't know why the crowd went after you, only, only children. Um, <laughs> but these are, these are safe. But the beginning of verse 27 says, whatever happens. Just whatever happens, no, no matter what. And then you get to verse 29, and he's just really clear, for it's been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but to suffer for him. And so we know, as a ministry, that this is not all we get. We know as a ministry that it's not just Aggie football and the 903 and the people born in August. Because we get to walk with college students all the time. We know that there's going to be seasons that aren't great. There's going to be seasons that are really, really difficult. And so I need you to keep being honest with yourself. And I need you to continue to remember that you're not alone. And so, so turn those things off for a second. How many of you are worried about how this semester is going to go? How many of you have zero clue what you're going to do with your life? Mm -hmm. Combining those, how many of you are scared about the future? How many of you in the past year have experienced heartbreak and loss and just difficulty? How many of you are broken for your friends and family that don't know Jesus? Hmm. A little more personal, how many, how many of you, your parents are divorced? How many of you, your dad is no longer invested in your life? How many of you would honestly say that you're thankful to be away from college because your home life is terrible? Man, that was my story. Like, it's just thankful for that season. How many of you, just continuing to be honest, you have a sin in your life that has separated you from God and you can't figure out how to get back? How many of you question whether Jesus can actually do what he says he can? Hmm. How many of you, if you're honest, like you just, you really don't feel loved in any space? Yep. You flip that around. How many of you feel like you're not even worthy of love, actually? 
How many of you are consumed with anger over people that have hurt you in the past? How many of you have messed up relationships in the past and are afraid to do that again? Yeah. How many of you, if you're honest, you think that the world would be a better place without you in it? These, these are hard questions. And, and we could keep doing this. But, but I want you to hear this. You're, you're not alone. For some strange reason, the God who created everything loves you. He created you with a purpose. He designed that purpose before the foundations of the world. They're gifts given to you that you walk in. And he's calling you to do that not by yourself, but to stand firm with others, strive together for the faith of the gospel. And so... That's what, that's what ministry is. Ministry is never by itself. And we believe that every Christ follower is a minister and you have a ministry, you have a place that that, that comes alive in. And that's just gonna be our charge to you, but you just gotta figure out how to walk in that. And I need you to hear that you're not alone. And so this is gonna be our response tonight. As the stage lights slowly come back on and we kind of adjust to, to, to that, that, that light right there, some of our Bible study leaders, when we, when we start this first song, they're gonna move to the back. Some of our other leaders are gonna be back there too. And if, if any of this has stirred some, some thoughts, some questions, or maybe just the need for prayer tonight, I'm gonna ask that you just move back there. We, we rarely do this in a room. Uh, we don't do, you know, there's not a lot of come forward in here, but also know that early in the semester, you're carrying some stuff with you into this space that if you could deal with it, and then the Lord could use you for 15 more weeks in this space, it could be incredible. And so that's my charge. As you're trying to figure out what it means to stand and what it means to strive together with people, you're bringing some junk in here with you that you go, it's just in the way and I need to get rid of it. There's a secret sin, there's a hurt, there's an anger, there's a difficulty, there's something going on in my life and I need to give it over to the Lord. I need to speak it out loud to somebody and I need them to pray for me. That's what it's gonna look like tonight. And so we get to respond in worship and, and there's freedom in this place maybe for you to sit there's freedom in this space maybe for you to, to move and you just need to spread out and be by yourself or go back there and grab one of the leaders. Just going to be spread out across the back and you don't have to know them. Just walk up and go, hey, I'm and this. I just need you to pray about this. And you have freedom to do that. So I'm going to pray. We're all going to stand. They're going to move. We're going to sing. And I'm just asking the Spirit to help you respond. Let's pray together. God, thank you. I thank you for your word, for the challenging parts and the parts that just breathe life. God, we have to be encouraged by the simple fact that we're not alone in this. You've created us for community. You've created us to, to run together, to strive together, to understand that we're in a war and we need each other, but we're not by ourselves. And so tonight, would you just bring healing in some spaces? Would you bring boldness in some spaces? Would you, by your spirit, stir us to take a step that's going to bring us from darkness to light? And we're thankful just for that verse that the darkness has no place in light. And so today, may that be the thing. And we proved it. One simple light lights up this big room and darkness runs from it. And so allow us to bring things into the light, 
knowing that what you're calling us to is joyful, what you're calling us to is beautiful, but what you're calling us to is also difficult sometimes. And so allow us to lay some of those things down, those doubts, those anger, that that sin, and just run after you. Would you do work that only your spirit could do tonight as we respond in worship? And we trust you to do that by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys stand as we worship.